Thanks for tuning in to Beyond the Bench. This is a podcast for athletic directors, coaches, and leaders, and it's done by three athletic directors from Iowa. I'm Todd Gordon from Greene County in Jefferson, and I'll be joined by Scott Jarvis from Ankeny Centennial and Aaron Stecker from Cedar Rapids Kennedy. If you have any questions or comments you'd like to leave us, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at beyondthebenchgls at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and let's get to today's podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Beyond the Bench, and you are listening to Season 2, Episode 28. Boy, about for the last 10, Aaron, we've been talking the COVID edition, but I feel like maybe we're coming out of those editions and getting back to... Uh, Maybe a normal edition of Beyond the Bench. You do. You are. You have always been the optimist there, Mr. Gordon. I, I hope you're right. I hope we're going to start working our way out uh, of that being the major topic of conversation. Um, so I'm going I'm to go with you. Ever the optimist, Todd Gordon. Yep. Except in when we said we weren't going to play baseball, softball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're we're I, still hanging from that call just a little bit. Well, I'm going to go back to my call for football and fall sports, and I think I, I missed that too. So, yeah, that's all right. Well, that's all right. You know, none of us are quite Johnny Carson. You know, the great, what was the great Karnak, was that what his name Karnak. was? Karnak. Yeah, with that. Yeah. Yeah, to the head kind of thing. We should maybe try that and see if that works better in our prediction. It may. Yeah. It may for sure. So, um, yeah, so we're going to get going. And uh, Scott got pulled into an emergency meeting. Uh, lucky Scott. I know where he'd rather be right now, uh, but we're going to pay some bills and then get into it with our guest. Get into it in a good way, I mean. I don't mean that in a throwdown type of way, but uh, let's pay a couple bills and get into the show. Todd, are you yeah. interested in saving time or making your job a little less stressful? Are you Always. Always. I know we are. I'm looking for ways to improve the fan experience at your game. Well, we at Beyond the Bench suggest you take a great look at Hometown Ticketing. Hometown Ticketing provides schools with everything needed to offer professional-level online ticketing at absolutely no cost to your school or athletic program. Hometown integrates industry-leading technology directly into your existing school or athletic website. This provides your fans with a simple and easy ticket-buying experience that takes place directly on your website without the need to create an account, remember a new password, or download a new app. From individual game tickets to customized season pass programs, our friends at Hometown Ticketing can customize an entire ticketing platform for your program. And the best part is zero, Todd, zero cost to your athletic program to get started. So check out Own Your Own Ticketing and hashtag Hometown Ticketing, the official ticketing partner of BNN Sports. Visit www.hometownticketing.com and get that information to enroll your school today. Um, more and more folks going that way. I think I just saw that uh, the Boys State Baseball Tournament will be, be all online ticketing. Um, not sure who they're using. Hopefully they gave our phones and our friends at uh, Hometown Ticketing a call, but certainly online ticketing not going away anytime soon, and we think these guys uh, do top-shelf service, so check them out. Yeah, no doubt. I think, uh, I think the boys are just actually the I-Cubs are doing their ticket uh, sales. 
and they did up the price a little bit, but I think the boys compensated with um, free parking. There you go. While you're there, so yeah, it, it's uh, it's definitely coming. So yeah. you know, the, another one of our sponsors, Gipper. Um, you want your program to stand out on social media? You can now by using Gipper. You can create and share professional sports graphics to social media in seconds on any device and without needing any design experience. So try Gip Gipper out for free. Boy, what are we? We're pushing free stuff. That's great. Free at gogipper.com backslash athletics. That's gogipper.com backslash athletics. And Gipper's now gotten into the podcast arena. You can listen to them by searching for Standout hosted by Matthew Glick. So give our friends at Gipper a go as well. And, uh, you know, both those free things. And, boy, after seeing my my balance sheet from baseball and softball, uh, free services are good right now. I'll take <laughs> We'll take anything free at this point in time, that's for sure. I don't think yeah. it's a lot better in the fall. I also want to give a shout-out to Varsity Bound. Uh, Varsity Bound HQ, one of our sponsors, and again, uh, just the work they've done with our COVID screening and the app has been tremendous. Our, our coaches, we're using it every day as we come to uh, conditioning workouts and performance workouts and team workouts. Uh, it's been really good. And our kids are starting to get adjusted to it now. It's just kind of part of their day. And so it's been very good. So thank you to Sam and Todd and everybody at Varsity Bound uh, for, for that, for the COVID app and everything else they do as far as keeping us going the streaming they promoted uh in the regular season uh with our baseball and softball was really good and the website uh just more and more stuff happening at varsity bound so i uh, get hooked up with them if you get a call from sam or todd to to uh connect with them do that and see what they can do for you and your conference so thank you to varsity bound as well you bet well todd we've got we're gonna Talk a little COVID stuff today, but we're going to bring on a guest today. Super excited to have our guest on. Um, just a, a super dynamic and, and influential uh, athletic administrator from just to the uh, to the west of the Missouri River. Uh, let's bring in Steve Throne. Steve is the AD at. I always Steve make sure to say this. It's, it's Millard 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 oh, Millard 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 South. South over there in the Omaha area. Steve's uh, the AD there. Really have had a pleasure of getting to know Steve uh, here myself the last six months. I uh, got hooked up with him uh, to present at the National AD Convention back in D.C. in December. Really enjoyed that experience, and then we've been asked to do that a couple more times uh, since that. So I've learned a lot from Steve regarding uh, student leadership programming. We're going to talk some about that today as well. But Steve, welcome to be on the bench. Excited to have you join us today. Thanks, guys. I appreciate the invite. Been uh, fans of yours for a while. Been following your podcast. You guys do a great job, and your topics are always fun and, and exciting. And I'm looking forward to sharing some thoughts with you today. Well, that's good stuff. Again, love having you on there. Uh, you're, you're in for a treat. Like I said, he's, he's dynamic. He's excited. He's got great ideas um, and, and really respected AD, uh, I know, in Nebraska and the Midwest and beyond. So thanks for joining us. Um, on that. So uh, Todd, I'll turn things over to you and get things rolling. You bet. Uh, Steve, if you can, just kind of take us through your journey, you know, where you're at today in Millard and Millard South, but how'd you get there? What's your journey look like? How'd you get turned into doing what you're doing today? 
You bet. Obviously, it started back in high school when I was a, a student athlete and enjoyed the uh, the things that I learned from being a student athlete. Had a great Hall of Fame coach, Aldi Johnson. Uh, went to Tarkio College in Missouri to play basketball, go to school, get a degree. Always wanted to be a teacher and always wanted to be a coach. And so I did that. But then I Tarkio closed a lot like Tikio Westmar. It closed too, and I think they were going on that same thing. But it closed, so I finished up at Nebraska Wesleyan. And after there, I went and got a job um, in Nebraska City at a Catholic school, Lord Central Catholic, which would have been like a 1A school. Uh, we had some graduating classes of 17. One time was graduating class of 17. I had one girl and 16 boys. But uh, Chiona, she held her own, which was all right. Um, <laughs> But, you know, start, I was there for 10 years, coached everything, taught various things, uh, and learned a lot about servant leadership and realizing, you know, jump in and do what you need to do and, and the actions that you have to do as a, as a leader and not wait around for someone else to do things. Um, had 10 great years, never wanted to leave, but a job opened at Millard South. Uh, the head basketball coach was a legend himself, Larry Ribble. Uh, he was going to retire, and uh, he and I worked a ton of camps together, and he said it'd be a great fit for you to come up to Millard South. He loved the family atmosphere, and he was right. Loved Millard South, loved everything about it. Uh, was there for seven years in that role, finished my uh, my master's degree and at leadership. I uh, wasn't sure if I was going to do something with it right away, um, but got the call for an interview at Sergeant Bluff Luton High School in Iowa. Went up there, interviewed with Rod Earlywine, had a great meeting with he and Jason Klingensmith and, and took that job. And I was there for three years and made, made some great connections and had great three great years at Sergeant Bluff. Loved every minute of that time there with the coaches and the students and, and, and the community. Uh, and then the job at Millard South, where I really wanted to be from the get-go, that AD job opened up because the AD went to be the district AD. And when that opened, I, I applied, and now I've been in that role for seven years. I'm um, assistant principal activities director there and, and love it. Now, obviously, Sergeant Bluff, Fluton High School would be like a class, what, 3A, and Nebraska would be class B, uh, so 500. And then at, at Millard South, we've got over 2,500 students, so we'd be a 4 or 5A type school. So I've been at a small school. I've been at that middle-of-the-road size school, and I've been at a bigger school. So I think that gives me some perspective on a lot of different things. You know, when I, when I started coaching at Millard South, I was my first game, and the assistant football coach walked up to me and goes, Dick Lesman goes, hey, what are you doing? I'm like pacing around, going to pull out bleachers, sweep the floors. That's not your job. You don't do that. <laughs> you don't have to do that. We have people that do that. And so that was a big thing for me because I was used to cleaning up afterwards, announcing the JV games. And so – it just—it was just a different thing, but loved all three experiences, and that's kind of where I am today. I'm in this role and love everything about it. And asked to be a principal several times, and it's not really want to, where I want to be because it takes me away from kids even more, and I don't really want that. And as you guys know, in our role is how do you keep that connection you had as a teacher and a coach, um, and, and sometimes even difficult in our role as an athletic director. Right. That, that's where where I am today. So just for our listeners, especially in Iowa, I don't think they – because the AD role in Nebraska a lot of times is with that AP role, with the assistant principal role. So what, what's your day look like? What duties do you have as assistant principal? Just so our ADs in Iowa in particular who don't have a lot of those, what that, what that looks like for you. You bet. Obviously, there's a, there's a handful of supervision that, that all of us do when whatever role we have within a school, um, lunchroom supervision, but most people are going to have that in whatever their role is. But um, my, my main duty is I do uh, oversee 16 teachers that I evaluate. So I'm doing walkthroughs and having those types of meetings and, you know, working with them on instruction. 
Um, and then also I'm in, in charge of activities. And so activities and clubs and those things like most of us are too. So uh, I do do a little bit of discipline, but it's normally on the overflow because we have, uh, we have five assistant principals and the other four of them each have a grade level. But there are times where I have to jump in, whether it's tardies, fight, or something you know that might you know, have happened during the day. Um, but so most of the time I get to focus on the activities and the athletic side, but there are times where I, 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 I drift back into the other side. Now, when I was at Sergeant Bluff Luton, though, I remember walking in, they said, hey, your job here is activities and athletics, 70%, 30% AP. And then I realized really quickly as the dean of, of, of discipline that I was the other way around. And, and you get to the end of the day, and you're scrambling to try to get out and get set up and whatever. But that's part of it, too. And I enjoyed that role, though, immensely also. Yeah, good. Very good. Thank you. Well, we're just going to toss around a couple questions here, maybe a couple okay. things that we got facing. We'll kind of talk through them between Aaron and you and I. And the first is like preseason parent meetings, um, plans that you may have for that. Um, how are you handling that this year? Are you going to have a big group together? Um, or are you going to individualize them more? Uh, what's that look like? for you? Well, we, we went through a big change last year. Um, before that, the first, my first six years, um, I did the, the each season parent night with me and then we broke off and they went and spent time with their coaches. Um, what I, we started to see attendance starting to falter a little bit. And so, you know, especially that person that's a multi-sport kid who's been there three or four years, that parent's like, I've heard it, even though I would switch up my spiel and try to incorporate more things that would maybe bring them in. We got to the point where that night, it was early in the season, especially for fall, where you've done a, an open house and now you're kicking off this and that. There's multiple things on that same week and now you throw a parent night. So last year, we switched to all of the teams are having their own, uh, tied into something like a scrimmage or a practice so that parents would be there anyway. And then boom, we could have our, our meeting right there. And it went really, really well. And so... Our thought would be to do that again. So, like, our, we had our football scrimmage. We're outside. We just had the parents sit in the bleachers, and, and then coach would talk. And now that might work best for us because we could social distance in the stadium a little better with that group. Um, but we do have a large lecture hall that a couple groups used. Um, but so we haven't really got to that point yet. But I think it's going to probably be uh, team by team. I don't think we'll go back to the large one. Um, and hopefully we don't have to do anything virtual because I really, that time, as you guys know, where you get to connect with parents and you get to see them, they get to hear you and they get to hear you say things like, if an issue happens, your student needs to self-advocate and go talk to the coach when that needs to come from you. And then when our coaches, I want to know when they break out, they say the same thing. Hey, your son or daughter's got to come talk to me. And the more that we can tell them that, the more times that we can keep that from spinning into having a meeting with an AD. So when, when you do that team by team, then are you giving maybe more of a Cliff Notes version of, of the, the AD spiel, or do you still give kind of the full, uh, you know, the, the full thing when you did it, when you broke it out and did it team by team? I do a little bit of both. I, I, I try to highlight the four or five bullets that I think they need to have from me as an AD. Uh, like I said, is that, that communication between a parent and a coach. Um, the communication between a student and a coach. Uh, talk a lot about drugs, alcohol, and distractions. We talk about social media. We talk about how athletic you're going to get injured, working with our trainers, and what does that look like? Uh, you know, trying to, especially those freshman parents that are coming in, their eyes are really big, and they have no idea because their only thing they're used to is club. 
And so in club, they got to be really involved. When it becomes freshman year, they're not as involved. And that is a big, you know, roadblock for them because they still want to come watch practice and they want to call the coach or text the coach anytime. So that the communication piece is probably the biggest thing I do. But then what I do is I will put a bullet sheet together for our coaches that I would normally talk about that I have them start with. Yeah. That way they're getting that information that I want them to have, where to go find our schedules, uh, you know, anything like that, that they would need to know, you know, fees and whatnot. But it's a combination, you know. And, okay. and So you know how it goes, though. Some of our coaches do a – they love parent night because it gives them a chance to outline their, their season. And those coaches that do that really well normally have less – conflicts with parents mm-hmm. and there's other ones that don't like that time they just want to coach and sometimes we struggle more with that group and that's a group maybe I'll go sit in their meeting and stay in and, and, and stay the whole time and throw more in where needed. So do you vary whether you go to all of them or not? I try to get to all of them but I don't I don't always make it to all of them. Yeah. Obviously I tend to lean towards the ones I know need maybe a little more support or if I know they have a bigger senior group that could be difficult in the sense of trying to find playing time for a larger group, so just so that the message gets crossed early. You know, we're, we're going to do is what we can to be successful, and here's how we do it, and here's how we communicate with your child throughout. And so, yeah, that, that's tough because that meeting is so vital to set the tone and, and connect with parents because we want to connect with them more than anything. And I tell them in time, you, you can call me at any time, but I'm going to ask you first and foremost, has your child talked to coach? Because when you and I get involved, it gets muddy, and then there's multiple lines of communication, and it's not very good for anybody. Right. And the other thing I try to do with that is that social media piece where I t- I'll give parents my cell number, number to send me pictures or updates from games that I'm not at so that I can get them on our social media. And I have every year I have a couple from each team that will do that. And it's great because people are like, how the heck are you getting to all of these events? Well, I'm not. And I know some ADs are like, I'm not giving anybody my cell number. Well, some of them, some of them will just email me and then I'll take it out the email too. But, but right. people love to get pictures and they love to get updates. And I try to do as, as all we all do, try to do that as much as I can. But sometimes they get there something I'm not, I want to promote Miller Child any way I can. For sure. I just uh, thought you were that good, Steve, that you just got everything out there. <laughs> I sometimes, I, I'm, there's only two people on our account, myself and, and our secretary, and she does a great job, but she, she's not doing much of that. She's helping me with the graphic because she's fantastic. I, through the parent meeting, I, I did the same thing at Roosevelt. I went to just, just because of the sheer numbers, um, I went to individual parent meetings there as well, and I enjoyed that. And I think that's probably the route we'll go here at Green County this year as well. Uh, we did the large group last year three different times and then broke out. And uh, I thought that was important my first year that I kind of got everybody into a big group and uh, laid some stuff out that way, could kind of hit some major topics. Um, but you're right. By springtime, our multi-sport athlete kids, they'd heard it. So their parents had had enough, even though I had a little bit different, you know, but uh, I think with COVID and, and uh, just large groups, I think we'll probably go the same route. And it does, it is a little more personal. Um, I was thinking about doing virtual, but uh, just hearing you say that again, convinced me that the small group route's the, the route to go. Well, you know what turned me on this whole thing? And we, at Sergeant Bluff, that's how we did it. Each, each team. And I'd never seen that done before like that. 
and each team did it and it was good it was effective um the but when I came back, our wrestling team would always do their parent night the same night as their red-white duel. And every parent would be there. So when coach was talking to them, everybody was there. When we had our winter parent night, there would be three wrestling parents there because they knew the next Monday there was a parent night with the wrestling scrimmage. And so it just told me, how do we connect it to something that they're already going to be at, that they're going to be engaged in, and then now you got them there, and now you can hook them and have that great conversation that you need to have and, and help set a positive tone for the whole year. Yeah. Yeah, you guys got me thinking because I've always kind of been the big meeting guy. Um, and I've done like what you talked about, Steve, where you have your big, your big spiel as the AD and, and then they break out into their smaller coaches meetings. But I don't know, I, I'm kind of going to go, I might, I might go this direction. Um, two things that have always kind of kept me away from that. Uh, number one is that um, the, Great to form those connections, but the honest, real side of me would also tell you, well, okay, now instead of one night, I'm at, I'm having six mm-hmm. nights, um, you know, to, to the schedule. And the other part is, you know, as Todd well knows, I just like to hear myself talk, and so I have to have those big meetings and just stand in front of people and just talk away. I don't know if they listen to me or not, but I like to listen to myself. So, but now you're going to listen to yourself talk six different times. Yeah. Well, that C, silver lining. I haven't really thought about that part yet. So that's a win-win for everybody now, isn't it, Ty? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you've, got, you've got great PowerPoints, Aaron. So I, I think you just keep rolling them out, buddy. I can, hey, it's all smoke and mirrors. Haven't we talked about that? It's have a great PowerPoint if your content stinks, and that's how I roll. Uh, but it's like anything. The challenge for all of us is the people that really need to hear it sometimes don't make it to parent-teacher conferences, and they don't make it to parent meetings. Yeah, and so right. how, how do we get those, that information to those folks? And I know back in the day, Glenwood uh, used to do this with Scott Arkfeld or some of their ADs back in the day where they would tape it and then parents had to watch it and sign off that they watched it. I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't know. It's just one more step, you know, you're just yeah. trying, to, you're trying to get the information out so somebody can't come back and say, I didn't know this. Well, we've mm-hmm. talked about this. You know, what, what's your penalty for – getting caught with an MIP, you know, they, they know that from these meetings. Now, something we did last year, guys, that I think was really good, and obviously, I don't know what's going to look like with COVID-19, but the Saturday, the first Saturday um, of the season, we did a Patriot Fan Fest, and we had all those scrimmages, and you were just talking about being at six different things on six different nights. It was all on that day. Ooh. And so football was going a certain time, softball, cross country, had a little fun run, and then tennis, and then uh, – volleyball, softball, they were all going, but it was all on that day. And so I would just move around to the different scrimmages and then parent meetings. And then I pop in and say my stuff and then I keep on moving. So we had a couple of food trucks and now I just don't know what that's, I think we probably won't do that full fledged thing this year, but we'll probably still have the scrimmage in some capacity and the parent meeting along with it. I like that. Hmm. Good idea. All right. Um, Topic number two, just here for open, open discussion. And I suppose this can lean into the COVID stuff a little bit here, but just amongst three of us, what do we see? I, let's start here first. What about, what are just a couple of the most challenging things as, as we get ready to switch modes here and get into, into fall um, sports? What do we see as some of the more challenging uh, things that we have to get ready to manage moving into the fall? I think the biggest thing is we were talking, Todd and I were talking before we came on, is just that nobody, the answers, we're not getting a lot of answers and we're, we're used to having answers so we can make pivot and make things happen. So I think that's been the biggest challenge because we're all waiting for our, our governors and then our, our, you know, 
NSAAs for us, our, our sports board tell us what to do next, and then our superintendents. And so not having answers has made it really difficult to make plans. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think, um, you know, we, we're coming off, obviously, in Iowa, off of baseball, softball, which were probably the two best sports to try and manage yeah. coming out of the chute. Um, I think the challenge, number one, football, the size of football crowds, if, if we're indeed playing at the end of August, um, the size of the football crowd, how we're going to manage that will be a big decision. And then moving indoors with volleyball. Um, what's that look like? We don't have swimming, so we don't have any fall swimming, but um, the inside sports now, what's that going to look like as people start to move through our facility uh, several nights a week? You bet. And I know there's been some discussion. We had a football meeting the other day, and, and one of the topics was, do you eliminate some of your lower-level teams so they don't have to travel? You don't have you have less games, and, and nobody really wants to do that because that's that developmental piece that we don't want to lose. But you're talking about them going and traveling multiple yeah. places. Do you guys do a lot of curtain-raiser football games? We don't. At my level, we don't. Okay. And that was a concept that we did a little bit of Sergeant Bluff, but I kind of like it a little bit. If you had a freshman game before Marksby, you know, and I don't know, that might be something we go to a little bit too. I don't know. Yeah, we, we still do over in our league. The, I mean, it's district football now, but anytime you're playing, a, you know, most of our games are, are teams in our league or the Mississippi Athletic Conference over here. We all still love the sophomore curtain raisers on Friday nights prior to varsity. Um, but uh, it would like to still keep doing those as well. You know, the one thing, fall sports wise, we had an NBC AD meeting this morning, and it was mostly just just geared around starting to have the conversations around um, the large invitationals, mm -hmm. the large cross country, large volleyball tournaments, large swim invites, um, and do we do those versus do you scrap those for a year and instead of a big 16 team volleyball tournament, you maybe pair down to a 14 round robin on a Saturday uh, instead to try to minimize the still get the the, the experience, but but minimize the, the amount of teams coming into the contact. Or if you have an eight-team Saturday swim invite, do you do it? Do you do two sessions of four? Four teams in the morning, clear them out. Four teams in the afternoon, clear them out. So just started to wrap our heads around the idea of if we're going to do this, what are some of the best ways to handle those large-scale events um, versus uh, do you do you keep them large or do you, or do you downsize? Um, and minimize the exposures and contacts. So that's another big question. And, and what's the right balance there? Because, you know, that's part of, part of the volleyball culture is those big tournaments. That's part of the experience. And so do you, you, you don't want to take all the experience away. At the same time, you like to see them, you know, stay healthy and viable all year long without, you know, having to take a two-week break. Um, the other big thing we're just talking about here is, and looking for guidance on, I think, is what, and then we'll have to make our decisions on, is what's What's it going to mean when there's a positive test on, on a team? You know, right now in Iowa, you get it for the most part. Um, if you get a positive test in your team and your team's out for two weeks, is that still going to be the case moving forward into the fall? Or are we going to get different guidance on that? What will it mean if your left guard tests positive? Uh, does that mean the center and the offense and the left tackle are out? Or does that mean the whole line's out or the whole team? What's that going to mean in the fall? That's another big thing just to – but again, this is like you talked about, Steve, at the beginning, is we're still looking for a lot of the guidance and answers on this stuff. I, I think we have a lot of marbles rolling around in our heads as ADs and as leagues. 
that once all those moving pieces above us are in place, I think we're ready to go and, and, and put things in action. It's just waiting for the word go. Right. No doubt. I, I think that's the biggest piece. Like you just talked about, that's one of the big million dollar questions there. But the other one would be, let's say you can have an event inside or outside and it's not full capacity. It's 50%, it's 75, it's 25. Who gets in? Is it parents first? Is it students? You know, no matter who you talk to in your school, I have one sister principal would say, no, students, it's a student. Get, well, the parents who, who've raised that child and pays for them and lives with them doesn't get to come to the game. So those are, you're right on the positive test. You know, we're doing the same thing. If that happens to us right now this summer, that's been the, the case. We have not had a student test positive yet. We've had some kids who've had family members that have, and then they've mm -hmm. tested negative. But like I was telling our, uh, our district AD today, it's going to happen. And so we got to stop thinking if we're going to do all these things, it's not going to happen. We're going to try to, you know, the washing the hands, hand sanitizer, mask, temperature, all those things that we're doing, we're going to try to limit that, but it's going to happen. So we have to have a better plan or a different plan than are we going to shut down everything? Because we're going back full, full school on August 10th also. Now, the option in our building is that you can go remote if you want to, so you can opt for remote or be on site. So those are the same questions you're asking in the classroom. Yeah. Yep. Two things. Um, number one, did you see what happened over here yesterday, Aaron? 20 miles from me, Ogden was playing the regional final softball game. Oh, they were there. East Marshall had to cancel day of the regional final. They were on the bus on the way there. Yes, and Ogden was there in their uniforms waiting. And, uh, yeah, so Ogden goes to state and didn't play the game because East Marshall had a case. Yeah. Wow. Had to turn around and go back. That's sad, sad stuff. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is just looking for people above us to help us with that and give us a consistent guidance and flow chart. On, you know, if A happens, you do B, C, and D. And if, and if X happens, you do Y and Z. Um, I think will help because then then we can go, um, mm -hmm. and, and we can work with it, and we can and, and we can deal with it. Um, and and I'm that, I'm excited too. I'm getting I'm starting to wrap my head more and more around that idea. I'm nervous and I'm apprehensive, and I don't know what it's going to look like. But I'm also anxious to have kids back here. Um, I am. Uh, you know, I, I go back and forth on the work it's going to take, but then I'm excited to see them. So that gets me to the second half of the question. So we talked about challenging pieces. What are we most excited about? Um, man, in a lot of ways, we haven't, we've been away from the kids. We've got a little bit of a taste of it this summer in Iowa, but and March 13th, uh, it's um, for the most part from, from real organized stuff. What are we excited about, fellas? I'm excited to see kids just do the things that they do, you know, and get in whatever, it's, whether it's an activity, whether it's a sport, whether it's, a, it's arts, going to school, whatever. I'm just excited to see them. I, when, you, when you see kids now, like when we were handing out yearbooks at the end of the year, you could just see in kids' eyes that they, they don't have that routine that they're used to that helps them to stay disciplined, which has been the same for us too. We've been out of our routine. So I'm just excited to get them back in the building, get to talk to them. I know we can't high five them. We'll give them the old COVID elbow, whatever we need to do, but <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to get reconnect. That's the piece. It's so hard, you know, virtual, the Zoom stuff was great early, but it just tailed off because it wasn't the same. And so the connection piece is what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's what was good about our baseball and softball. Um, we saw kids connecting again with each other, with, with coaches, and um, gosh, that's why we do what we do, and to see that. So 
Um, I'm just anxious to continue that and, and to have more kids now that we start to open up more sports um, and activities again, be able to just be around each other and uh, like I said, do what they do. And that's what brings us joy as activities administrators is watching our kids and just seeing them grow, watch them be around each other. They just, they keep us young. So, yep. you know, I've aged 10 years in the last three months. So I gotta get back to school <laughs> so I can get young again. Well, the other thing too is I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing all of our coaches. You know, yeah. we've, been, we've been in such small groups throughout the summer, you know, I'm trying to catch coaches as they go, but I miss seeing them and I miss seeing them do what they do well. And that's, and that's grow our kids as, as young people. And so be fine. it'd be great to see our teachers and our coaches too. I would agree. Um, I'm a, um, I was just totally, wow, that was a moment there. Speaking of getting, I'm aging 10 years in, in, in a short amount of time. I had this thought and I just totally lost it. Woo. You know, when the train leaves the track, Aaron, wow. to get it back. Hey, before Aaron gets oh. that thought back, he's got it. Go with it. I got it. Yeah, don't, don't let me lose it now, Throny. I got to keep it. Um, I do think we've got some – I'm. I managed to bring it back because we, I think we've got amazing teachable moments in front of us. One, managing just this COVID thing and, and what opportunities we have to, 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 to build trust and build accountability and responsibility to one another um, and with one another um, within that. Uh, because that's what it's going to take with our teams and with our, with our programming is for them to remain viable and healthy and, and, and manage it. They're going to have to be accountable to one another. Great teachable moment for our kids about something bigger than yourself. And then, and then we'll get into the opportunity for the conversations wrapped around race and, and race relations and being better there and using our, our programming to, to help us be better there. We got to get them together to have those conversations and build those relationships. And so um, we can't capitalize on these teachable moments if we don't get them in here and get them going. So I'm, I'm excited about that as well. You bet. Hey, going circling back real quick, you guys talking, obviously you guys had the summer stuff. What did transportation look like? Because that's not that's something we haven't really dove into because we haven't got to that stage yet. But how did you manage the transportation piece? Well, we were fortunate. Uh, we're a smaller school, you know, average class size around eighty or ninety kids. Um, our softball team had eighteen kids in it. Our baseball team had twenty five, twenty six. But our parents drove those those teams. They drove all summer. Uh, and we just played our conference schedule. We redid our conference schedule, played 14 games, seven home, seven away. And uh, didn't our coaches didn't want to try and pack any more in. Uh, so we just asked our parents to drive, and they did. And uh, we did offer. If a kid didn't have transportation, we would get them there. We'd get them those Suburban. Our coaches drove Suburbans. Uh, we would have gotten those Suburban, and I would have taken them, or my assistant would have taken them. But uh, the parents took them. There were other schools um, in our conference who would, they did social distance on the bus. So mm -hmm. instead of one bus, they might be in three. Mm -hmm. And they would bring all three buses, they'd get kids there, and maybe one bus would stay. But they encouraged then their, their kids to ride home with their parents. Okay. And there weren't many on the bus going home a lot of times. They rode home with their parents, but they did get them there. It took more transportation. Uh, but as we talked, you know, man, in the fall, we're going back full bore as well, full buses. 
recommending mast right now. Whether it goes to required, I don't know. But, um, you know, you only got so many buses at the end of the day to get out early when we got buses on routes. So um, it was kind of varied. But the parents stepped up and did a lot of it in a lot of different schools, not just not just in Green County. Yeah, I think you saw some of that. Um, and and here, anytime we left town, uh, you know, being in, in our metro area here, a lot of our games were in our metro area with our five schools around here. But anytime we had to travel out of town, we took buses and we would take two uh, buses. Uh, we had we were dressing nineteen plus three coaches on baseball. We would take two buses and we were eighteen plus four coaches so we were, we were taking two buses everywhere we went um on that and, and uh then we had some or schools on a conference though that said no we we can't afford that we're just going to take one but then masks were mandatory on the bus so if they put their you know 25 26 people on one bus um which is above what the cdc recommendations were then then they wear masks on the bus i don't know what this fall is going to look like i mean i start talking about football head out of town we're talking about 10 11 buses to get our you know, it's curtain raiser games and you need 11 buses to get your sophomore varsity to, you know, over to Davenport. That's, yeah, that's, that's the challenge. The, the other challenge down the road, yeah. obviously it's in our mind, but what's, yeah. what, what's it going to look like and, and how do we, gonna, I, I like the idea of multiple buses going, parents helping take bus kids back. And we'll do a lot of that too. I would yeah. assume we've, we've done a lot of one way buses already. Yeah. I think with that, anytime you got kids on a bus, it was assigned seating. So if there was a case, you could trace that back to who was supposedly around yep. that kid. So they, it, they could sit in certain seats and they had to sit in the same seat there and back. Yep. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. So, yep. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's continue on here. Now we're going to kind of just focus on uh, Steve Throne and some of his, his programming there. At Millard South, the biggest thing you've done, and you were—I know you worked with Aaron on this—was uh, your student leadership program. And I heard you at a national convention, wasn't last year, was it two years ago or three years ago? I don't know. Um, I sat in when you were—you spoke, but you've done a lot of great work with student leadership at Millard South. Can you talk about the format that you use and the impact that you've seen that have on your kids and your activities programs at Millard South? You bet. Uh, the program that we run right now is, is Pitt Crew, Patriots Inspiring Teammates. Um, and we, we have, when we meet, we meet our, we have PLCs on Monday mornings. So our teachers are in PLCs from 7.30, 8.30. And that's when we meet for our, with our leadership group. And our leadership group, we could have anywhere from 30 to 60. And obviously we feed them, which is, which is a must. I don't, mind yeah. a little, I, don't mind, I don't mind a little Panera bagel myself, so that's good. Pick um, <laughs> them off, right? You know, the, the biggest transition or transformation we've had with our leadership group is, is that, and, and, and our softball coach, Steve Kirkman, had, has been integral in this too. He and I work really well together, and then we try to incorporate our other coaches, um, is we've really worked hard to get our, our student leaders to be active with their voice but with their actions also because uh, too many times as we know as you're developing leaders is that sometimes they'll do it with their voice but they won't do it with action or they're I'm an example leader only and I never say anything and so we really push for them to have a student voice within their team and what does that sound like we try to equip them with the tools that will make them successful to have those difficult conversations with their teammates uh, with their coaches even you know because I think I keep the thing I keep telling our student leaders is 
coaches don't always know what's going on or being said in locker rooms or on bus trips or after games and stuff that could be, you know, negative to your team culture or might be great for your team culture. Those are things that you need to be telling your coaches so that they can make them better uh, in one way or the other. But uh, we've seen that. Uh, we've, we've had a great buy-in. Um, like, like I said, when I spoke, um, the, the big thing is, you know, when you've made it and you're starting to make an impact is when kids start to put that on their college resumes or they're being announced at prom and pit crews. One of the first things that happens, they're starting to take pride in it and saying that I'm part of that group and I'm active. And we've really thrust them into having, I sold this from Mike McGurk of having kids do the warm up and the, the icebreaker and leading projects and doing things where they have to take that on. I'll be there to support them. Steve Kirkman uh, will be there to support them also. But how do we get them to take on that leadership that, that we sometimes uh, we want them to do, but they don't. And the other thing is, how do we get our coaches to give them those roles within practice and games and with their teams where we, they can be active leaders? Because sometimes that's tough because coaches, as we, I was the same way. I had my practice minute by minute of how we we're going to do this. And I didn't always put a lot of team building or leadership stuff in there. But over time, I started to say, okay, what do we need to do to be a championship team? How much condition? And let them pick that, you know, let them tell. And then those leaders always did a good job of we did enough conditioning because they, they wanted to be successful and they appreciated that input. So those are some things that we've done that have that we've seen uh, been very fruitful in our, our building. Steve, can I have you expand on this a little bit? You mentioned it a little bit, and, and it, it's been one of my takeaways every time I've heard you talk about your pit crew and, and, and what you're doing there. Um, you talk about the importance of the student voice uh, and, and the importance of getting them to, to, um, to, to, to learn how to advocate themselves. It's one of the things that take away. Just talk to me about, talk to us about why that's so important to you, why it's such a big deal that you emphasize and find ways to help them find their voice um, through this program you do. I think the biggest thing for me is, you know, when I first started doing this, it was a lot of sit and get, where I was, we're giving them all this information about how to be a better leader, but we're not letting them talk through it. You know, even looking at this COVID-19 situation we're going through, when we come back, the big thing I want to tell our coaches is, I really want you, and if we've been doing it with our Zoom meetings with, with different programs, but how are you feeling? What's going on? Get a deeper connection, and I think that's that voice this group of kids nowadays is their earbuds and they, they like the hoods. And so sometimes making eye contact or know that they're actually listening to you and not a lot of them talk. And so how you get them to talk, that's when that, that voice is, I need to know what you're feeling because when I look at you, I can't tell what you're really thinking. Are you loving everything we're doing or are you not engaged? And so that voice gives them that opportunity to tell me, what they like or don't like and, and, and what they need more of. For me as a coach, as an AD, what do we need more of? You know, the best part of it for us right now, too, is our student sections have gotten a lot better because I think those students know that I want our, we want that atmosphere, but we want to do it the right way. We want that sportsmanship to be at a certain level. And you can tell when kids are going south with sportsmanship and they'll see a couple of the pit crew kids look at me like, you hear what's going on and they, I give them a look and then sometimes they'll take over and other times they'll have to still go step in. But there was a year where we had a couple of great seniors that they would just kibosh anything negative. And that's what we want. We want them to do that. We want them to help us yeah. not so much police, but remind kids of the way we're going to act as a Patriot. Yeah. I, I love that. I love the fact that it breeds that horizontal accountability that we look for, for the kids to take, take ownership of this is who we are. This isn't who the adults tell us we should be. This is who we are and who we want to be. I, 
I just always really love that about your passion when you talk about this. So thanks for sharing that. Well, I want, I want their thoughts, not my thoughts. That's, that's the biggest thing is I know what my thoughts are. I don't know what theirs are. Yeah. yeah. Anything new you're doing that with that this year? Any new programming you're rolling out this year? Well, the big thing that I'm going to do that I have not done a very good job with is on the activity side. I'm going to create something for our activity kids um, where we do some student leadership activities with them. With our pit crew, I don't turn anybody away. And a lot of our kids that are athletes, they're in other activities. But I'd love to get to that activity kid, whether it's in uh, the arts, band, you know, show choir, whatever, work with our drama kids, but also work with our club kids, diversity club, DECA, student council, because those are the movers and shakers in our building that have a great impact on, on our building. And so anytime I say, you know, uh, I want, we're talking, the, you know, the Patriot way is something we talk about a lot, but I want them living it because if they're living it, there's other kids that are watching them going, hey, I want to be like that person. And so I want them to have that positive multiplier where they're, they're getting kids to follow them in a positive way, doing the things that we all want them to do. But I need to do a better job on the activity side. So that's something that I'm going to focus on. Talk about that Patriot way, um, Steve, and just how you develop that and how it's growing and how, that, how you're trying to use that to influence your culture uh, in your building. Well, we've got eight pillars, and then what it was is more than anything is we, we, we started to ask our pit crew kids when we first started, what do we stand for? Who are we? And, you know, it's all those things that you say are unwritten rules, and this is who we are. And I kept hearing uh, veteran coaches saying, hey, we don't do that. That's not who we are. And I said, well, do the kids know that? Well, it's an unwritten rule. Well, if it's unwritten, how do they know that that's not? And one of those was being a multi-sport kid, you know, and how do we, how do we get promote that we want our kids to be in multiple things? And how do we as coaches support that? Not just say we want that, but how do we support it? And our coaches have done a great job working together with multi-sport kids. But, you know, those pillars are very, very simple. And a lot of them go back to what my high school coach, he had three things he always taught me. One, I want if you're going to be the quick shop guy or you're going to be a ditch digger, be the best ditch digger there ever was. And so that work ethic piece has always been big for me. And that's something I always focused on. Uh, the other thing was um, be good to other people. Just respect people and be good to them. If you're good to the people, they're going to want to be around you. They're going to want to work with you side by side. They're going to want to follow you. They're going to want you to, to, to help you reach high levels of success. And the third thing was, build strong relationships that will last. And so that, that was kind of the foundation that I took with that into our, into our pick or into our Patriot way, because the eight pillars are along those same lines and they were by our students and by our coaches. That's where that was developed. But some of the other ones that are on there are own your own performance, whether it's good or bad. There's going to be times where your behavior is not what you want it, but you're going to learn from it. Hopefully there might be a time we have a great performance, but learn from that too. Um, the other one was is communication. Uh, another one is when we were, when I first got there, there were times where programs were more worried about their own success and not worried about the overall school's success. But now our focus is on school pride and program pride. But in that order, we want the Millard South pride. And then obviously we want that to trickle down your program. We want your programs to be successful. Um, be a great teammate and classmate. Man, is that huge. If you're doing those things, uh, that'll go a long way. If somebody, I think that's a great honor if somebody looks at you and says, she's a great teammate. That has, that's a lot of weight. That, that, that tells me you've made an impact on somebody around you. And so those are those pillars that we put in place. Um, and, and what we've done is we put them all over. But more than anything is we have the hashtag TPW. 
And, and what I wanted to do with that more than anything is when somebody saw that, I wanted them right away to visualize those things that we have as pillars that we identify ourselves with and go, yep, that's us. And I want our community to do that. And now when their community puts something on Facebook or they put it on Twitter and they put hashtag TPW, they get it. They understand that that's powerful. You know, we're out in the community cleaning up the community. You know, that's being a great teammate. You know, that's, that's being service minded. Those are those things we want them to be. So it, more than anything, we were trying to bring those things from unwritten to out in front so that we can try to live by those every day. We're not perfect. And there'll be times where if something happens at our school that's negative, people will go, oh, the Patriot way. But see, that's what we understand. We understand that we're going to grow if we did something that we shouldn't have and we can still grow from it. So we're not perfect. We're just we're trying to be better and grow every day. Those pillars there, did you come to those through your discussions with your kids and coaches? Um, how do you settle on those? We, we started with our pick group. We, we, we asked them those three questions, like, who are we? What do we stand for? And we let them just spitball and give us ideas. And then we kind of massage those into a couple of things and said, what do you think? Does that, does that encompass what you were feeling? Yep. Then we took it to our coaches. We do a four PLCs with our coaches every year of some staff development, which has been huge. But we took it to our coaches and said, hey, this is what our students are saying. Is this who we are? And then our coaches added their insight and their input. And then, then that first day is when we had our staff development, I took it to our whole staff and I said, here's how these things came about. Here's where we're at. We're at. We have seven pillars. What am I missing? And one of our, our journalism uh, teachers stood up and said, hey, we're service-minded. And I said, yep, you're right. We forgot that. We put that on there. And so now it's eight, and it's been eight for the last four or five years. And, and it's been good because people have bought into it, and people understand it, it's not something we're trying to hit you over the head with. You know, but what it is, is that subtle reminder of the things that can make you successful. It can make our, our program successful, can make our school successful, can make our community successful. And that's what we really want. And it's, and it's been good. And I, I'm excited by it because there's been buy-in. And it hasn't been just a Steve Throne thing. It's been our kids. It's led by our kids and our coaches. And that's huge. Yeah, I, I think it's so important, too, that you've got your whole staff involved in that. And it's a school thing. It's just not... Millard South activities and athletics, you know, it's, it's the whole Millard South. It's, it's in your classrooms and everything else. So well done. Well, with that. That's really good. You know, you know, when it's, it's made an impact is when it's in your, it's in our strategic plan now as a school. And, and that tells me that it's reached that extension of everybody in your community understands it. And it's simple. It's easy to remember. And it's easy to put back out. And our coaches do a great job of highlighting and Our teachers do a great job of highlighting and, and subtle social media things that we do to, to keep it at the forefront. Because I always say, I think it's important, no matter what school you're at, is that, that we keep those positive things at the, at the front of our, our community's minds, our students' minds, our teachers' minds. These are great things going on. Because right now, with COVID and all these different things and masks and all that, you know, the hysteria that's going on with different things is, how do we stay positive? How do we stay positive, but how do we keep moving forward? That's kind of been my mantra on this whole thing. How do we stay positive? How do we keep moving forward? Mm -hmm. It's been helpful. Yeah. Or as Aaron said the other day, E plus R equal O, like seven times in one tweet. I saw that. Yeah. And the R is huge. You're right, Aaron. Yeah, it, it, it is. And some days I'm better at the R than others. Um, on that, My wife looked at that. She said, that she goes, what is E plus R equals O? So I had to explain to her that, well, it, it, it's, it's an event or an event. 
Um, plus our response to that event is going to determine what the outcome of that event is going to be in our lives. And she's like, oh, that makes sense why you put that like six or seven times in your tweet thing because it's a constant reminder right now. You know, Tony, what I love about this and, and, and trying to do similar things here after hearing about your Patriot Way with, with some different core skills and pillars, but the thing I like about this, and I was forced to think about this when we, um, this spring is, um, I've shifted these, this thought, and yours are the same way, more towards it's a mindset of your school. Because when you shift it towards it being a, a set of skills or, or, or a mindset, you can apply these things to whatever issue you have to deal with. And I, I started shifting towards um, the, the race relations. You bet. Among things, and, and, and mine, we've talked about this with, with, with our BN Common and our seven core skills. I, I've done a lot of thinking, and, and now I'm going to try to work with our staff on, well, if we really are about these seven things, you really are about those eight things, how do they apply to any situation we're faced with that we have to deal with? And, you can, and, I, and I found it can shift and pivot very quickly towards um, how do our seven core values and skills help us manage taking on our race relations and our ability and making sure that we're truly embracing diversity and that we're giving every group a, a voice in our building and being valued and respected. And so I, I love it that they're geared around a mindset of here's how, who, here's who we are, here's what we're about, here's where we're going, and these are the skills and values that will get us there, um, regardless of the obstacles. So great work on those. No, no doubt. And the mindset is big, but the other thing, if you notice with our eight pillars and probably yours too, is none of them take a talent level. You don't have to have talent. Uh -huh. You just have to be willing to be a great teammate, to respect others as you're talking, as, as you're talking about the race relations and those things. Are you willing to respect us? And our big thing in our building too is, and yours probably too, is we're trying to be more inclusive with uh, Special Olympics and special needs. Mm -hmm. And so that respect piece goes a long way. But you're right, it, it, it's a mindset and it doesn't take any talent. We can all do those things. We just have to choose to do them. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little COVID if we can for a couple little questions here and uh, just kind of get Nebraska's perspective on things. But Nebraska right now, I think uh, you're doing workouts. We'll get, but what do your off-season workouts look like? What steps are you taking daily with your teams uh, there as they report to your school for workouts and different things going on on your campus? You bet. Uh, the biggest challenge for us right now are the things that we've been doing since June 1 is, is taking attendance of groups that are coming in. So we know, like you said earlier, that transportation of who's working with who. So that grouping where it can be a safer group, hopefully. Uh, we're doing hand sanitizer as you come in and out. And I would assume you guys have ran into the same issue we have. We're starting to buy hand sanitizer in bulk. And when you do, it smells awful. And so <laughs> yeah, we're trying to make sure our kids actually, when we put it on, they don't just throw it off the side because it, it's got a terrible odor. I had my wife try to do a little science concoction on it and put some different scentsies in there and it, it, the uh, hand sanitizer overpowered it. So we're doing that as you come in. We're having groups come in um, different doors. We're not crossing paths with other groups. Um, and I think that's been really big for us. We have not done a lot with masks. Uh, our superintendent came out yesterday and said, starting tomorrow, all of our masks, everyone's wearing a mask if you're in the building, if you're outside or whatever you're doing, um, unless you're, at, if you're doing something as far as activity. So if you're lifting, you don't have to have a mask on. But once you're done, you're putting the mask on when you walk in the building, when you walk out. And, I, and I'm okay with that. I support that. Yeah, I think if that's going to help us get to the fall and get to the winter and get to the spring and get kids back in the building, I think all of our coaches and, and students will get a, come around to that. And I think our coaches are, but I think getting kids to do that will be big. Um, but we haven't done much with the temperature checks. 
Um, we haven't done much with the questions, and I know other schools have. Um, we, we have another group that we call learning groups, and when they come in the school, like a, a DECA or someone, if they're student council, if they're coming in, yearbook, they're going to do some work in the school. Um, they have to have masks on at all times, and we do do temperature checks with them. And so, you know, I think that's, I don't know if the temperature check will be something we'll do more of down the road, but obviously mask, it, it will be a big thing, and and we were ready for it. And we bought enough masks to give every teacher and student two. Um, and then what I did the other day is I went to BSN, shameless plug for BSN and Scott Purple, but uh, we uh, we bought masks from them. And obviously you can buy them from anybody now and there's great masks out there, but I bought those for our activity sponsors, our coaches, and then I'm gonna give them to our, our pit crew kids to start with and have them help me to campaign of why we need to wear them and why if we want to come back to school we want to have activities why we are wearing them and I thought if I bought them some a nice cool one that says we are Miller South on it cost me about 1500 bucks I like it there it is there's my DSN mask right there <laughs> that's something like that can help too that we can we can be the uh, the leaders out in front of that wearing masks and because I think you're going to get some pushback from kids that don't want to but for the safety of all of us. But so that's kind of what we've doing, been doing with workouts. We've really limited the number of kids in our weight room because that's been, we've had a good size weight room, but we've really, in, when we increased, it hasn't been very many at a time to try to limit that exposure. So, um, do, we, do we understand this correctly? Nebraska just kind of released their return to play protocols uh, here recently. And if so, what are those? Yeah, we, we've received some yesterday, but a lot of them were just basic because I think we're, we're, we're kind of wait, I think they're waiting to come out with their formal guidelines. But those we had a football meeting the other day. There's a softball meeting coming up. And a lot of those discussions are what are some of those, what's it going to look like? What's it like we talked about, I think Todd and I were talking before you came on about the Shrine Bowl and the success of the Shrine Bowl, you know, something within football. What can we do to, to ensure that our kids and our coaches are going to be safe? And the, in that game, they stretched the, the player box to the tens to try to get kids to spread out more. The problem is they have that herd mentality where they want to follow the ball. And so those are things though, that we're starting to think, you know, the other one, well, we have camp this week, football camp, soccer, and tennis for me was how are we going to do water? It's been hot. How are we going to do water? And, and so one of the things we're doing is that our trainer or one of our coaches will be at the water boy and they can fill up a water bottle, but no one's ever going to put their mouth on it and no other kid's going to touch it. But just things like that, that bought enough water bottles for each kid. Did every kid have a water bottle at camp? You know, some kids come prepared. They got the big jug. But there's other kids that walk into football camp for three hours and go, oh, I didn't bring anything. Well, that's that's not a great idea. So we have to be prepared for those. And as we go into the mask tomorrow, we're, we're, we're kind of scrambling because we don't know how many kids have masks. Most probably do, but we have a shipment that we said for the beginning of the year, we we're going to have to dip into and probably give them some. Like when you go to the dentist's office, they have some of those that you can use. But my fear is we give them to a kid and they go out and they throw it in the trash. And now the next day they want another one. Well, we don't, we don't have that big of a surplus for masks. So those are all those things. But our, our, from a state standpoint, you know, they're trying to get us to cut down on, on the inner squad stuff with other groups or traveling and doing some things. So, like, our volleyball team was supposed to go to a big tournament in Nebraska this, uh, this week, and they shut it down. They just canceled it because they're like, we don't want to intermix teams and schools and just do a lot of inner squad or don't, you know, limit your contact with other groups. Because I think what we're seeing, and you guys probably are too, is – those kids that are on club activities and going to different cities and then coming back, that's where we're seeing a little bit more of those cases, whether with the parents or, or someone on their team and, and whatnot. 
And so yeah. we're, they're trying to limit some of those, obviously promoting all the social distance, masks, hand washing, and all those things were just general guidelines more than anything. Right. Um, but they didn't give us any, they didn't really give us anything that you could hang your hat on and say, they did say, hey, we're going. And I, I love their, I, I love their stance on the fact that on August 10th, we're going to give it a go. Uh, but in the back of my mind, we're already talking about, okay, what does that look like? Like you talked about earlier, is it going to be a schedule change? Is it going to be shortened? Are you only going to play conference games? Are you only going to play, you know, our challenge right now for us is Omaha Public Schools is a really big school district in our state and in our conference. And they're trying to decide if they're going to have fall activities. Well, if oh. they fall activities, well, that's how, that's going to affect us all. Oh, yeah. affect all of our schedules and so I understand that's a tough decision there's somebody people I don't want to be right now are the president governors superintendents executive directors at uh, you know athletic or activities associations and so or principals because there's a lot of questions and not enough answers and right. so and every there's people on both sides of every everything yeah. it's become yeah. difficult, difficult to make decisions but yeah one thing we just we've talked about it on here quite a bit is is it I don't care what what side of the aisle you're on, what side of the argument you're on, it doesn't matter. There's there's everybody's right and everybody's wrong. There's no right or wrong answer to this whole it's um and no matter what anybody in those positions you just mentioned decides, um some folks think they're right and some folks think think they're wrong and, and it's just the way it's going to be. And so you just have to you gotta reach down, dig, uh dig down deep into all your experiences and, and what your gut tells you and, and roll with it and know that. Um, you're doing the best you can do. Um, and that's, I think, all we can do moving forward. So. A little well, grace, a little bit more. A lot yeah. of grace. Yeah. A lot, a lot of, of grace. grace. And if you're looking to be right on this, we're all going to be in trouble. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. being right. It's about doing little steps in the right direction, working together, being as safe as we can. That's a struggle for me. I really <laughs> like <laughs> uh, I can see that. That's good. All right. Let me throw one more thing in while I, yeah. what I remember. My train doesn't leave the track. Going back to the mask, okay? Um, I heard Mark Farley, the coach at UNI, today on the radio. And he made a really good point, a really good way to explain it, I think, that people could grasp. He said, remember when seatbelts all of a sudden became the law? And he said, I was opposed to that. I didn't like it. I didn't like wearing a seatbelt. But now what's the first thing that you do when you get in your car? You put your seatbelt on because that's just the habit of who you are. And that's kind of how we've got to go with the masks. You know, whether it's a law or not, but it's got to be, it might be our law within our facilities. If you're going to come to a game and you're going to move about our facility, I know Aaron's done a great job of that over in Cedar Rapids, uh, their conference of, of doing that. But it's, it's going to be the same thing. It's not natural. The seatbelt was not natural. Um, but now it is, and the mask may be natural for the foreseeable future. Who knows? Um, but at least for this year, we know it's going to be, and we've got to just convince them that this is the right thing to do. And, uh, in a way it is the law right now. No, no doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Steve, we, two questions of all of our guests, uh, that they just can't get away from us without answering. So question number one for you. Um, if you could go back and give advice to a young Steve Throne, knowing what you know now, uh, with all your experience and wisdom you've gained, if you go back to a young Steve Throne who's just starting this journey all over again, what advice would you give to yourself? 
you know what? I, I've always been big on networking, but I, I would go back and do more of it. I would, I would sit at the feet of people that are doing, I, I never in my mind thought I was going to be an AD. That wasn't on the path that I, it's where I've gotten to, but I want, I knew I wanted to be a great teacher and coach, but being an AD is an extension of that. And so I think more than anything, I would reach out to more people that were doing those things. And I networked a ton as a teacher and as a coach. I do a ton now as an, as an athletic director, especially guys like yourselves who are doing great things. But finding those people that are doing great things within their, their building and not just ask yourself, you know, oh, that's a great program because they have great kids or great coaches. No, there's, not, there's a reason why there's a great culture in schools. And a lot of times it's guys like yourself and what you're doing and, and figuring out what some of those things are. But then how does that work with my personality and the way I lead to, to make it um, something that's my own? Because I don't think you can go pick every, steal everybody's. Rick Patino's press never worked the way I wanted to because I didn't have seven footers on the ball. And so, you know, you, you got to do things within, within your own, you know, skill set and, and how you interact with people. I think the other, the other thing would be I would, I would try to get – I would get my master's earlier. Um, I waited 17 years, but I was – when I was doing the Catholic school stuff, I was teaching driver's ed in the summer with 300 hours in a car and then, you know, teaching and coaching every sport available. It was just one of those deals where I didn't, I didn't have a window of time, but I would go back and I would get my master's right away. And that's not because I would go get a job right away, but I learned a ton in that two-year program about being a leader and, and what a servant leader. I was doing the servant leadership stuff, but it really defined to me, wow, that's, that's important for the culture of a, of a building. And, and, and of, of who I was as a person. And so, you know, that's, those are things that you want to see in your programs. You've got to be the model. But you know, I would have learned it earlier in the, the more of the, of the context that I learned it during my master's program. I'm going to pull an Aaron Stecker and have a follow-up question to this question. Okay. So you said that you would have, you learned so much in that master's program. What do you do now? What, how does Steve Throne continue to grow right now? What do you do? What do you read? What do you listen to? How do you continue to, to make yourself better every day? Well, I, I'm like yourselves. I noticed you had a couple great book uh, recommendations and you're going to talk about that later, but th that's, I'm a heavy reader. And, and for those that don't know, I'm dyslexic. So when I send an email, if you get one from me and it's got a little here or there and it's because I'm dyslexic and I normally read it four or five times to make sure but I'm an avid reader. And I wasn't when I was a kid, but I've grown. That's something I've, I've grown. And as I look back, one of the first books I read was Larry Bird, Pistol Pete, and those types of books, Bobby Knight. And then obviously John Wooden and started to read from there and John Maxwell and Peter, Peter Lincioni and obviously John Gordon. But reading's a big one. I, I'm, I'm, I'm late to the game on the podcast. But so whenever I like your podcast, I'll go listen to five or six at a time. And then, you know, the guy's uh, Mike Hughes and their crew and they're, what they're doing. I'll go listen to five or six of theirs. And then uh, Jake out of Florida, he's got a great podcast going right now, you know, so I'm, I'm using podcasts, but I'm, I'm an active, I love to read. I've got the books on tape now too. So like when I'm driving to Colorado, um, I'm popping in a book on ideal team player and things like that. Getting, trying to learn and grow as much as I can. Cause I think I can't tell our coaches that I need them to grow if I'm not growing. And so it keeps my mind fresh and it keeps ideas. I'm not always using the idea for the book, but it stimulates, as you know, ideas of my own program. Oh, this would be really good for us. And, and all the books I have got highlights. My wife's like, what are you going to do with that? And what I do is I go back and I pull it out and I, and I look at it. And anytime I see somebody on Twitter or something recommend a book or something, I'll go buy it. 
Uh, Mike McGurk gave me a couple books this summer, and they were on social-emotional. They were on uh, John Troutwig, uh, My Living Will is the one I'm reading right now, talking mm -hmm. about his son committed suicide and was a you look at him, you think he'd be a highly successful athlete, great friends and all those things. They're trying to come back with that and figure out what do I need to do with our kids and their, how do I get our coaches to connect more so we don't have those types of situations. And so I'm, my, my, what I read is broad, business management to anything I think that could make me better as a person. What was the name of that book, My Living Will? My Living Will. John Troutwin wine pitch for the, the Red Sox for a small stint. But oh, okay. Yeah, and he, he, had a, he has another he, he recommended another one. I'll, get, I'll shoot that one to you too. And that was like a, a, a runner maybe at Stanford or somewhere was highly successful and she, she committed suicide too. So a little, some of that stuff that you don't really want to read because your heart breaks and you got kids and you don't ever want to see that but you also yeah. need to figure out how do, how do we how do we combat that silent killer that's in our, in our schools and our communities? Good. Yeah. Thanks for that. Uh, last question here. Um, Steve, what's your why? Your feet hit the floor in the morning. What gets you going? Why do you do what you do? I think the biggest thing for me is people. I, I just love to be around people. And I love to, as I look at my own mission statement, a big piece of that mission statement is having a positive impact daily on people. I, my hope is when people cross my my path, they walk away with a smile, brighten their day. You know, I want them to know I support them. What can I do to help them grow, be around, whether it's student staff or whoever. But I just try to bring that positive energy. I mean, I hate negativity. That's I can't stand people who are negative, and 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 I don't mean that in a mean way. But if, if someone's going to be negative, I try to kill them with kindness and positivity. If it doesn't work, then I, I keep moving on because. I can't let that person change my mindset where you now I become a complainer or blame someone else. I'm all about mindset and, and being positive. So I think for me, it's people. That's what gets me out of bed in the morning. I don't care as yourselves probably, I don't count this as a job. I, I count it as a calling. This is something where I'm, I've got a chance to have an impact on a lot of people in a positive way. I hope I'm doing that. Yeah, no doubt you are. And uh, yeah. it, there's no doubt about that. So thank you for that, Steve. Well, I appreciate it. You bet. Um, just want to close, closing thought, and I'll let you kind of expand on a little bit, but I want to turn our attention to, I'm a moment guy. I just try to live in the moment, I think. Uh, and I picked up this book by uh, Chip Heath and Dan Heath uh, a couple, I don't know, a month or so ago, maybe. It's called The Power of Moments. And uh, they just go through these different business, and, and there's some education things in there too, but uh, different scenarios, and they kind of highlight how people have made those moments. But here's the quote I want to have, have us think about, and I want people just to uh, put some thought into. What if we didn't just remember the defining moments of our lives, but made them? We can be designers of moments that deliver elevation and insight and pride and connection. These extraordinary minutes and hours and days, they are what make life meaningful, and they are ours to create. And I have started to maybe look at that more now, leadership-wise, as, as trying to create moments for our coaches and our directors, and then to create moments for our kids. 
um, and not let those moments go by where we don't celebrate them. Um, and I, I think, again, I, we've talked about this before, how once we get going again, you know, we're excited to get going in the fall, but let's not lose sight of where we've been and let's enjoy these moments. And I think that's what made maybe summer so special in a lot of ways was just watching our kids on the field and watching them be with each other and watching our coaches celebrate with them and struggle with them and, and do all that. But at the end of the day, I know I told more than one kid this summer, I said, they were frustrated or what I said, just appreciate the fact, the opportunity that you have right now. And spring sports didn't have it. There's other, there's other kids in other states not having this opportunity. Just enjoy the opportunity you have. Um, but again, I, I think just making sure we are looking to create moments for our kids and moments for our people to connect, uh, to grow, to learn, to love. Um, it's just, I'm just always on the lookout for that now. And this book really brought it to light for me a lot more, um, just on ways to create moments. So I guess that's my challenge to us today as we kind of leave. But I'll, I'll leave it up to, you know, Steve, any, any thoughts on that when you think about moments? Uh, you've obviously created a lot of those at Millard South for your kids in a lot of very positive, extraordinary ways. So um, thoughts on that quote at all? Well, first of all, if people have not read that book, they need to read it because it is fantastic. And it's one of those that you just stop midway through and start writing down notes and thoughts of your own. From the book that my living will, this goes, builds on your thought today. Um, the dad talks about, he starts to talk and they're having a, meet, a family meeting or just kind of sitting around. He starts talk, talking about the big moments of his son's life, hitting a home run that he was there for, the ride home with dad after practice, whatever. And the mom got upset and he's like, he couldn't understand why she was getting upset. Well, she was the stay-at-home mom who did all the little things, too, along the way, but there weren't those huge moments. It's like getting you off to school, getting your lunch or whatever. And, he, and the thing that he – the analogy had was, was perfect. He said, I was there for big home runs. He might have had seven home runs. She was there for 100 singles. And that's that little moment you're talking about where all those little moments are just as important as those seven home runs. And that's what I do with our coaches, too, at the beginning of the year when we have our coaches meet. The first thing I said, all right, celebrations. What happened in your program from last year to now? Give me a celebration. And coaches will stand up. And sometimes I'll have coaches that made it to the semifinals in the state tournament, but they thought they should have won it all. Who won't stand up? And, I, and that drives me crazy because you're not, you're not the singles that got you to that point. You didn't hit the home run, but those singles, those were still moments in your, your year that were great. You, had, you beat this person or you came behind and won this game or your, your team culture was fantastic. We have to celebrate. You're right. We have to celebrate those singles just as much as the home runs. Mm. And so that, that, I think you're right on. I love that thought even more now than I did before. Yeah. Mm. I might go a different direction on that Love what you guys talking about, but honestly, my head went a different direction. You brought up the E plus R equals O earlier, and, and I think about the the creating moments piece um, as being intentional uh, in our journey. Uh, and and we aren't always going to be able to control the events that happen to us, but it's going to be our response. If we're if we're intentional about our response, then we can take whatever event, positive or negative. Um, different way to phrase that whether it's an event that's moving us towards our overall goals or an event that, that could create an obstacle in us getting to our overall goals or outcome we're trying to achieve, but our response is going to determine 
whether or not um, that's that moment is going to derail us or whether that moment's going to keep us moving forward and we'll be able to look back and celebrate it. And so I guess I think so much about when it comes to making, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this, be intentional about making the moment rather than letting, than, than letting the moment drive you or, or, or make you. Does that make sense what I'm saying there? Yeah. Uh, so we can still make it a moment. We can yeah. still capitalize on that. Yeah. Um, to keep us moving forward towards what towards the outcome we're trying to get to, being the best we can be through through the platform of sports or, or through the platform of, of theater or fine arts or whatever whatever you're whatever you're engaged in trying to, to, to achieve an outcome with, um, it's it, it's it's going to be those moments along the way that are going to define how you get there, and our response to those is big, and 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 we're either intentional and 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 controlling those, our responses, or we're being haphazard and, and, and being blown all different directions and, and derailed um, by events. And so taking control of moments maybe is what I'm getting at. Yeah, good. like it, yeah. yeah. I love yeah. that point. Yeah. Well, very good. Thanks, guys. And uh, boy, it's been great. Uh, thanks for taking the time with us, Steve. Steve, if, if people want to connect with you, follow you on Twitter, um, or if they have a question for you about the Patriot Way or your pit crew, how could they contact you? You bet. Email's probably the easiest way. Um, that'd be sdthrone, T-H-R-O-N-E, at mpsomaha.org. Uh, our Twitter account is MSHS Activities. I would love to share ideas with anybody at any time. That's, that's how we grow. Like today, again, I've, you guys do such a great job. I'm walking away with a handful of ideas, that, and you've got me energized again for what we do. I've, I've never lost that, but it's even more where now I'm going to have a hard time going. I'm in Colorado. It's going to be hard to go walk around the, the different things and not think about what we're going to be doing in the fall. So I appreciate all you guys do. You do a fantastic job with your podcast, and, and keep that up because I know as, as ADs we count on you. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate that a lot. Yeah. And uh, good luck to you this year at Millard South, uh, you and the Patriots. Uh, we'll be following you and look forward to connecting with you down the road here uh, sometime soon. But best of luck and, and God bless you out there. Thanks. You guys take care. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. Good luck in your games here coming up. You got a couple of big games this week, I think, yet, don't you? Yeah, Liberty tonight in a softball regional final. And then we got uh, Cedar Falls tomorrow night in a baseball substate final. So uh, a couple of big days for the Cougs. All right. All right. Good luck. Good luck, Candy. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll catch you next time. In the meantime, be blessed.